have you ever thought, I don't know how I would survive if this or that ever happened? Well, here's how. These are the stories of how people just like you and I have gone through difficult life events and survived. It's a journey of faith, hope, and yes, the power of love. Here is the survival guide for the non-survivor. And hi there, I'm Greg Fish. Hey, September 11th was one of the biggest, best-known tragedy and triumph stories in recent American history. And we learned a lot about ourselves. We learned what it means to be a true hero and what it means to survive something really awful. Uh, on uh, September 11th, 2001, at 9.37 in the morning, after two planes had already crashed into the World Trade Center in New York City, a Boeing 757 uh, crashed into the Pentagon in Washington, D.C. And our guest today was in the building when the plane hit, and he survived to tell the story. Welcome, my good friend and retired U.S. Air Force Lieutenant Colonel Andy Crawford. Andy, it is a pleasure to have you on The Survival Guide. Thanks for joining me today. Thank you. Now, let's start with where you were on, on the day that this happened. You were in the Pentagon, but you obviously weren't at ground zero for the plane crash. Uh, tell me about where you were when the plane struck the Pentagon. Okay. The Pentagon has five sides. That's the word penna. And I was a, there's a sector between the side he hit and my sector that I was in. So there's a full sector. I was on the fourth floor of the building. Okay. And there's uh, five fours of it. So uh, that's where I was. Now, at the, at the time this happened, you were actually retired at this point and working as a civilian. Is that correct? The, that is correct. Uh, okay. The word retired is sort of correct because I was a reservist mm. and I finished my reserve time before 9-11. And okay. so, uh, but yeah, I was working, I had an overlap of working in the Pentagon as a civilian and being a reservist flying the F-4. And what was your job in the Pentagon at this point in time? Okay. I gathered the budget of the total Air Force and delivered it to the Office of Secretary of Defense to a person named Brian Jack. I'll use his name later on. But, uh, all the services delivered their program for or plan for the budget for the following year to him. And so okay. the, the people under me actually sat in the room with the generals when they're saying move money from this project to that project. They're back there on the computers doing the computer stuff to make it happen. And then that database is given to me, and that's what I delivered to Brian Jack. So at 9.36 on September 11th, a minute before the plane struck, what were you doing at that time? Okay. Every Tuesday morning at nine, we had a staff meeting. And if you can look it up, the first airplane hit uh, a building uh, before nine o'clock. 
And so when we went into staff meeting, we knew about it and there was a TV there. We turned the TV on. We saw number two airplane hit. Hmm. Okay. Then we began our meeting and was, you know, deeply in it when we got hit. Uh, it felt like a uh, somebody on the fifth floor had a load of iron and had dropped it on top of us. But like I said, we was full sector away, so it was a pretty hard hit to make that much noise. So the impact reverberated the entire Pentagon? Yeah. Okay. Well, at least now, a, what was your immediate thought? As soon as that impact happened, what, was, what do you recall you, the first thought was that ran through your mind? Okay. One of the people in the room with me said, we've been hit. I said, no, we haven't been hit. Well, the alarm system went off shortly thereafter. But my first thought was, no, no, it couldn't have. So... Now, did you lose power or anything on impact? No, no. Okay. So, uh, all you, you really, the only impact where you were was just the reverberation, but you knew something awful had happened. And, and then, uh, uh, was that the point at which you had to evacuate? The alarm went off and that was an evacuation alarm. Okay. Now. Okay. And, and so they, they then commanded you to, to move out. Now, in moving out, you still don't know what's going on in the building. How long did it take before you actually found out that a Boeing 757 had crashed into the Pentagon? Well, when you got outside, you saw the smoke mm -hmm. coming from that area, knowing what kind of airplane and that it hit. Uh, you didn't know, but uh, you saw the smoke and kind of okay. guessed at it. And, and what was was your uh, impulse to move towards what was going on to find out more or to see if you could help? No. Okay. Um, the godly thing about the, the evacuation is the week before mm -hmm. a welder started a fire in the Pentagon and they evacuated the Pentagon. People knew where their exits were. The normal exit is the same doors that we came in and you get scanned and all that jazz, but there are more exits than that. And so the week before we had a real, I won't say exercise, wow. it was, wow. it was, and we learned where our exits were. So that's the godly thing about the week before, and we knew where to get out. So, so just to be clear, something that nobody expected a week before triggered a uh, an opportunity for you to to learn the escape system, which then a week later was a matter of life and death for you. Yes, that is correct. Oh. Wow! Wow! It probably so saved was, a bunch was of the, lives. The, the section of the Pentagon where you were was it ever? filled with smoke from this or did the entire Pentagon fill with smoke or did it stay fairly confined to the area where the, uh, the crash was? The answer is by the time I got out, there hadn't been any smoke. It'd be okay. hard to believe that some didn't get over there because the okay. fire was going a long time. But mm -hmm. then again, I was not in, I got in my car and left. 
kind of thing. Wow. Now, what what was your first emotional reaction to what happened that day? Well, it's uh, been in the military and had some close calls. Just, hey, you know, do business as usual, get on, get on home. Uh, I tried to call my family with a cell phone, and there was no have too many people on the phone. In fact, I didn't get hold of my family outside of the Washington area until I got home and got landline. I didn't wow. let them know I was okay. So so they were definitely in, in panic mode as well, wondering what your condition was after the, the crash. Well, let me tell you, when I got home, I go in the door. My wife is cleaning house. What the hell are you doing here? <laughs> She obviously was working, cleaning house, not watching TV or listening to the radio. Oh, wow. And so for her, she didn't know. But Was uh, there ever a point in time when all of a sudden you felt like, oh, my, I, th- th- this could have been much worse for me? Uh, of course, but uh, there were times. My background is I was, I was a backseater in the F-4 jet fighter, and mm-hmm. there were some close calls there that, you know, it could have been worse there, too. Uh, so I've had several of those occasions also, which could have killed me if something hadn't happened. Uh, I so, took- so what is any, uh, what is your personality type that is when, when you face a life or death situation? How— how do you respond? How do you pull back together and continue walking forward when some, when these things have happened in your life, like the near misses or then the day of September 11th? Well, uh, it is look around you and see what can be done kind of thing. Uh, mm. In the case of the jet fighter, I took the stick and pulled the aircraft out of a dive to keep from running to the ground. You know, and uh, save both our lives. It's a two-seater. And, of course, uh, you don't normally do that. You don't take the airplane from the pilot. Now, he get on long haul, he gives it to you. You get to fly a lot, especially when you're flying over the ocean, you know. It's mm-hmm. long haul. He's going to give you the airplane. Yes. But on two occasions, I took it. So you mentioned a name that you said you would come back to. Tell me about this uh, this story that you were aware of, uh, for, and I can't remember the gentleman's okay. name from that day. Brian Jack. Okay. He is the OSD person I delivered our information to, and all the other services did. He was on the airplane that hit us. He was on the way to California to give a speech at a school, and he was on the airplane itself. Oh my! Uh, they found enough of him to uh, put him. Uh, you know, National Cemetery is right there next to the Pentagon, right? And so he is put in a uh, whatever you call the urinal kind of thing, looking at Pentagon where he hit, kind of thing. Uh, we get on a bus and they took us out there for a ceremony, and there it was, mm-hmm. the Pentagon, right there where he hit. So that was sort of a wow feeling. 
Now, you were also telling me about a, a man who I believe was on his motorcycle when this happened, and it pretty much happened right in front of him. That's right. Um, he was a reservist. Originally, uh, their office was in the building, but they got moved out, and he would come to the building with his information and deliver it to us, kind mm -hmm. of thing. Like I said, we did the total Air Force budget. Well, he just happened to have pulled in the area looking where the airplane hit. Actually, it landed and bounced up into the uh, building. He was actually there. Now then, the godly thing about him was he was a paramedic. Mm. Now then, just south of the Pentagon is Highway 395. And on the other side is another parking lot belonging to the Pentagon. They built a tunnel underneath that. He set up a triage and had that going before the ambulances and things got there. Wow. And already had it going because that wow. was his talent also. So, so who wow. wouldn't have known? You know, Andy, when I, when I think of military folks, I, I think of people who have been through a lot of hard things and they have to learn how to keep themselves in check. But I would think that after the momentary response where certainly people would react in a more heroic manner, in the weeks and months after 9-11, you saw a lot of strong people in really weak places. Would I be correct about that? Did you Did you experience that these people who worked around you really were struggling with the trauma that happened that day? Well, yes and no, uh, but they were military. I think in right. terms of that, and this is for a majority of them, this is not the first significant thing that's happened to them. Now, there are a lot of civilians that, you know, hadn't seen this before, but uh, yeah. So as a part of your training to be able to zone into certain places when there's a trauma that you have to deal with? No, no, it just uh, do your job. Uh, your job. If you can help, well, just like the uh, person that uh, went and set up a triage, he was a paramedic. He's mm -hmm. doing his job. Mm -hmm. So in the years since this has happened, do you find yourself reliving that day at times in your mind? A little bit, not overly. Okay. Uh, I had my retirement papers already in at the time of 9-11 or January, and I went ahead and retired and came home for work. So, so you actually did not go back to work in the Pentagon then after? No, the... we did go to work. You did I go worked, back to work? Okay. I worked until January uh, the 4th. What, what question do people tend to ask you the most when they find out that you were in the Pentagon when the plane crashed? Well, what did I do? The answer is, you know, get your, get your stuff together and get out as mm -hmm. the alarms went off. Mm -hmm. Very simple. Yeah. And even though most people are, are, are never in a tragedy that large of scale as what happened on the day, I think a lot of folks experience different degrees of tragedy in their life. What did you learn? on 9-11 on that you would say to somebody else who's, who's dealing with having gone through a traumatic event 
Perhaps they've seen something they didn't want to see. Perhaps they've been through something that affects them emotionally. How would you tell them from your experiences that, yes, you can get up and move forward after this? Well, as I mentioned, there were two godly things that stick out to me. And there are several things in my life that I consider godly. Um, mm-hmm. And this just added to it kind of thing, two significant things that, hey, we had a drill that was not, uh, was not a practice drill that got us ready for 9-11 mm-hmm. kind of thing. There are other things in your life, you look back at it, said, what was God trying to teach me? You know, um, I can say I've yeah. done that many times since then. Yeah, it's, it's interesting you say that. That's kind of a tool that I've used with my own traumas and tragedies. And pardon me, by the way, I think I have a fly here in the studio. We have a fly on the wall in the studio here today. Uh, but in in the own in my own traumas and tragedies I've had to deal with, I've kind of adopted the idea that if I have to go through this crud, I'm going to learn something so I can help other people sure. get better. Do you, you, so you're saying that's a really good, useful tool for you as well to say, I've, I've learned something and I can help people yep. by what I've learned. That is correct. So pay pay attention to what happened. Think about it and and see what is in it that you can help others as they are on their way then. Yep. Yeah. Right. As we, uh, from year to year, commemorate 9-11, and has it ever really sunk in to you exactly what it was you had a front row seat to? In a way, yes. Um you know, it's an important thing in my life. And like I said, I lost a friend. It was a work friend, but, you know, a pretty good friend. You know. what Was there a lot of anger you had to deal with at, in the days after that, especially at those who did this? Um, well, we got busy and worked on a new budget. Let's put it that way. Well, you call it yeah. anger or not, but it's <clears throat> reacting. Yeah to it. Yeah. So, you know, new budget. But again, so, it's my, my people are recording what the general say, computer wise. Mm-hmm. Do, do you find that in, in your military experience, that going to the extremes and emotions is something that's really frowned on in that setting that you're that they really, then the military, they want you to stay on an even keel? Is that kind of a, would that be true? That'll be true. Yeah. And so that's probably stayed with you then in the years after oh. as you've had to deal with things as well. Oh, yeah. I mean, you had to react to a lot of different things. Um, well, uh, I was with the F-4 for quite a few years sitting nuclear alert. You know, mm-hmm. you, you get an alarm going off at 2 o'clock in the morning, you don't know. Mm-hmm. You go out to your airplane, decode the message. Oh, it's training. Okay. But you don't know until you decoded the message and you're ready to go. Do you find yourself just kind of taking some deep breaths and then just going back moving to bed. on? Going back to bed. Going back. <laughs> I like, you know, that's actually probably some good advice. Sometimes it's just better to go back to bed, isn't it? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. All right. Well, Andy, th- this is just, I think, such a riveting story for our country. And, and it's one of those stories that even in the years after, people just can't seem to get enough of trying to find out what uh, had gone on. Just out of curiosity, have you uh, have you really 
watched a lot of the follow-up documentaries they've done on that day, or have you found that something that you just really don't want to go back to in your mind? I've watched them. Uh, I've given you one that, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I've seen that many times and thought about it. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, the fact that I was on the opposite side of practically where it hit. But, uh, yeah. Do, do you think that that's one of the things that helped you to really see true heroism? I mean, can you identify people that, man, that, that guy was a hero? Yeah, definitely on that. And he wasn't the only one. There were other people out there doing that, too, who, uh, you know, had training. And, of course, the fire departments and uh, ambulances and that stuff got there. This guy had it going first because he was right there kind of thing. But uh, there were other people that got involved. I'm going to go somewhere with us, but do you think the folks in the military tend to view our national, uh, uh, like the Pentagon, the, the Capitol, the White House, with perhaps a little bit more reverence than the average person because of your military training? Yes. Yeah. So what are your, I, just kind of curious, what are your feelings towards the uh, uh, the citizens, uh, civilians who uh, took down the plane in Pennsylvania that was the final plane perhaps headed for, I believe, the Capitol, if I'm not mistaken, in the uh, Let It Roll story. Uh, when you think about those civilians, what are your thoughts towards what they did that day? Well, the answer is uh, they were very good to figure out, hey, we've been kidnapped. And I don't know if they heard anything about the other airplanes hitting big buildings. But they took action, and sometimes that's what you have to do. Mm -hmm. uh, my hat's off to them. Yeah, it yeah. cost them their lives, but they would have lost their lives anyway. Yeah. And, and you know, I think so often when, when we're called upon to act in a stressful situation, it seems like to me that most people will rise up and do the good thing. Don't you think? You think people are, for the most majority, part, no matter yeah. who you are in life, that when you are in a situation like that, that most people do rise up and do the good thing? Yeah. Yeah. That probably has a little bit to do with surviving as well, just to realize we have this instinct to uh, to help others. When it, I mean, a, a, as uh, as tragically as we can act towards each other at times, that, that ultimately I think there's something within us that has this instinct to rise up and help other people, and perhaps we especially saw that exemplified on on nine eleven. Perhaps that is correct. Yeah. So, so wherever somebody's watching in their local community, there are probably things around them that they can uh, exactly. be be heroes in the lives of the people that they serve. That is correct. That's probably a good survival tip as well, and that is just spend your time investing in the lives of other people, helping them, doing one good thing after another, and take those deep breaths and survive. I hadn't thought about that, but maybe so. Yes, I agree yeah. with that statement. I greatly appreciate the time you've given us today. And uh, yours is definitely a very compelling survival story. And I'm, I'm glad that you were part of the survivors to uh, uh, one, be a friend in my life. Uh, but also, for, I know that you've touched a lot of lives and a lot of people and uh, are just a very appreciated person. So Andy, thank you for your service. And thank you for sharing your story. Well, thank you for sharing your time with us, too. Andy Crawford, uh, retired lieutenant colonel for the, uh, from the Air Force. We are so glad to have you with us on Survival Guide. 
Well, folks, thank you so very much for being along with us on this episode. You can find out more about us at CorbinFosterMedia.com. That's CorbinFosterMedia.com. And uh, you're also welcome uh, to go there and check out some of my books. Like I Will Walk With You kind of uh, goes through a lot of my survivor story. Be patient, take courage, don't grumble. And coming in the summer of 23, because I'm Richard's son. Survival Guide for the Non-Survivor is a CorbinCast presentation. My name is Greg Fish, and thank you so very much for listening. Be sure and like us and share us on social media and follow us or subscribe on your podcast platform. Survival Guide for the Non-Survivor. I'm Greg Fish. Thanks for joining us today.